Dotnet Rocks episode 861 with guest Justin Beckwith. Recorded live Thursday, March 21st, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. And by Franklins.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at GesturePAK.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app, available now for Windows Phone 7, iPhone, and Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back. It's Carl. It's Richard. It's .NET Rocks. It could be fun. We got a mobile app now. Yes, we do. The guys at Diatom Enterprises hooked us up with some great uh, iPhone, Android, and WinPhone apps. You were telling me that um, you were you, you said it switched over from using cell service to Wi-Fi without a glitch. I, I I haven't tested it myself. I got an email from a listener who actually said he he was on his Wi-Fi at home and then went out to walk his dog and it just kept going on three G. I got to try this because uh, maybe that it was just all buffered up, but it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. So the guys from Diatom Enterprises wrote this app, and uh, we have an Android, an iPhone, and a Windows Phone seven and eight version yeah it's good absolutely all right better know framework is up next okay buddy what do you got well what i have is uh a javascript serializer dot max json length property what which gets or sets the maximum length of json strings that are accepted by the javascript serializer class okay so if you're reaching the limit of how much data you can send or retrieve in one call this is typically what uh, how you can uh, get around that, you know, other than redesigning your system to not send and receive so much data, which we recommend trying to do at first. But, you know, if you're one of those people where you're chowing down on JSON data and you're bumping up against that. What's the limit? The default? Uh, int dot max value. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much that way. But it, if it's a 32-bit integer, that's like... Four billion. It's a heck bytes. of a lot. So the value of the max JSON length property applies only when you explicitly create an instance of the JavaScript serializer class. Use the JSON serialization element under web services in your web config file to set the maximum length for the internal serializer instance that's used by asynchronous communication layers. And that would be max JSON length. So there you go. Got a tiny URL for folks? As a matter of fact, I do. It's tinyurl.com slash maxjson. Awesome. So who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 855, and that's the one we did with Jeff Fritz, who knows was just one ASP.net, where we talked about how all the different features of ASP.net live and work, play well together. Oh, yeah. And so Mark Merrill says, uh, .NET rocks, rocks. Thanks for having Jeff on the show. As a software QA analyst, it is refreshing to hear more and more developers focusing on testability, especially in this JavaScript world we live in today. I agree that MVC has taken over web forms in many respect. It is widely used where I work. I don't know, Mark. There's still a lot of web forms out there, but I, I agree that MVC has been more adopted than I think anybody expected. Uh, we really need to focus on simplification of our code in whatever we are doing without sacrificing compatibility across all frameworks. I also focus on performance and scalability, which makes me appreciate the development tools and methods that Jeff is talking about, which decrease the risk in enterprise platforms. 
Yeah, I, although I didn't feel like Jeff excluded web forms in that. You can make web forms scale and perform just fine. You just have to do it right. And then I think the same is true for MVC, too. You can get yourself into terrible trouble with MVC if you try hard. Yeah, absolutely. But regardless, a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts, releasing 12 to 15 new courses every month and offering a free 10-day trial for 200 minutes. Pluralsight offers a full curriculum on web development with courses on ASP.NET, jQuery, JavaScript, and HTML5 programming. Try Pluralsight today. Subscriptions start just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce Justin Beckwith. He's a program manager and web developer who works on the developer experience for Windows Azure. Welcome, Justin. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Oh, not much. Just happy to be here. Well, happy to have you here. You've been listening to the show for a while, I take it? Yeah, big fan. I was actually uh, glad to hear you guys talk about the one ASP.NET talk. I was uh, listening out the other night. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah we got stuff. that. We, I think the first time I heard that that point of view really came from Scott, which we, and we had him on the show, Scott Hanselman, more than a year ago. And it was fun when, when I was talking to Jeff and it sort of came around again because, of course, everything's changed. Every, there's been revisions for everything. You just go back and revisit this thinking that we just have to m treat everything equally because it all works together. Yeah, I mean, that's something that's been coming from him from the beginning. Uh, you know, we hear it a lot from the community, and it's been a big effort, you know, across not just ASP.NET, but in the tooling as well. This is something we see inside of WebMatrix, where we're trying to make it so that all these pieces kind of fit together and play nicely. So I take it that you you uh, have your fingers in all of these technologies in terms of, you know, what to do when and when to use what, when and all that. Um, yeah, and that's a that's a question we get constantly, which is, you know, there's so many things to, to try out there. I'm not sure I'm using the right tool for the job. Do you have any general guidelines for people who are, are asking those questions? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't think there's any one tool or technology that's right or wrong. I think a reason that we build all of these is because different different frameworks are going to suit different needs based on the developer's tastes in the project. You know, if you're if you're a web form shop and you've been doing that for 10 years and it's what you're comfortable using, by all means, continue to use that. And, uh, you know, it's going to be supported and it's still there. and It's still not a bad thing to use. But if you're someone that kind of, you know, you're attracted to the MVC world or you're attracted to the web pages world, one of the things we deal with a great, uh, great deal in web matrix, then there's nothing wrong with doing that as well. I think ultimately it just comes down to a matter of personal preference, the experience of the folks on your team and what makes the most sense for the app you're building. Well, if you have a lot of web forms experience and not much MVC experience, but you understand the web and JavaScript and HTML, and you want to build a new website, and maybe there's going to be some services, and you definitely want to access those services from a mobile app, um, I generally tell people to use MVC. There are, yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's... That's the direction. I mean, to be perfectly honest, if I'm going to build it, that's the direction I'm going to go as well. Yeah. Um, I, I personally prefer the cleaner markup. I prefer not having view state. Um, that's kind of the way that, that I like to code. But like I, like I was kind of saying, if you have all of the context of web forms and that's still something you're comfortable with, then it's not a bad thing to do. But starting fresh, starting new, you know, I, I, would, I would prefer to tell people to go towards MVC myself. Yeah, Greenfield just doesn't seem to happen much in my world these days. My customers, they've got apps and uh, 
you know, look and the consistency and look has been really important. And it's hard to recruit. If you've got folks that are used to a web form style app, MVC can't re recreate that very easily. It's a different style. Especially if they have third party tools and things Absolutely. buried in there. You know. So let's talk about Web Matrix. For, the, for those who've yeah. been under a rock and completely missed it, what have you been up to? Sure. So uh, Web Matrix, we're a lightweight IDE. Uh, we're something that you can use alongside Visual Studio or in some cases to do some things that Visual Studio doesn't support. And the whole idea is to kind of simplify web development. Uh, you know, right now we're talking about all these different tools and technologies, MVC, web pages, web forms, and uh, it can all kind of spiral out of control pretty quick, especially if you're a newcomer. Largely what I focus on is people that are that are new to web development, people that maybe don't have mountains of web forms or who know all the intricacies of MVC. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to come out and build a tool that, that makes it a lot easier to get started with web development. So that's kind of been our core focus throughout the whole project. I, and I don't want to keep bringing up Hanselman this whole time, but he's got, he, I saw a keynote with him where he says, it's never been a better time to be a web developer because you don't have to deal with all that old baggage. That if you jump in today, you pick up something like Web Matrix, it makes life pretty easy. Sure. I mean, that's that's kind of the neat thing about Web Matrix is, you know, it's it's a much smaller download. It's it's not going to be an enormous thing like VS. Um, if you're happy with VS and you're comfortable in that area, by all means, continue doing that. Keep using it. But for people that are just getting started, uh, the programming model is very simple. The, the tool itself is very simple. It's all kind of stripped down and gives you a nice kind of entry so that you can get started without a lot of the uh, the complexity that comes with some of the other frameworks. And this is the Razor language, too? Sure. So, I mean, just just to be clear, Web Matrix as a as a tool actually supports ASP.NET. The ASP.NET part of it is focused in on the Web Pages framework, and uh, but aside from ASP.NET, we also support PHP. So we have this whole other angle of making it easy to do things like work with WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, along with a you know a decent PHP editor. And in version two, which we released six months ago, we actually added Node.js support. Believe it or not. Wow. We, and we've done a few shows. I mean, I think we did one show way back when about PHP running on the IIS stack and uh, all the excitement around that. But uh, And certainly we've done a few on Node. Right. But, I mean, doesn't Node sort of preclude dealing with ASP.NET at all? Oh, no, that's definitely not the case. Um, you know, I think one of the interesting things that IIS Node brings to the table for us in the ASP.NET world is that you can actually run Node and ASP.NET apps, and PHP for that matter, all kind of in the same project. And there are a couple of great samples that Nathan Toten's done of bringing all those together, running them in a single app pool, and doing all kinds of uh, crazy interoperability between them. It's, that's cool. It's it's kind of, and again, you get the this idea of everything just mixes together and works. And just for the folks, because I imagine most of the folks that listen to this use Studio. If I have a guy in my office who is not a Studio user, and he goes into Web Matrix and gets himself to a certain point in the app where I need to help him, am I still able to work with it from Studio? Absolutely. There's a big Visual Studio button right in the uh, right in the ribbon. Uh, you click on that if you're doing if you're working, especially if you're working with ASP.NET. This transition goes very well. It just opens it right up in VS, creates a solution file, and you can actually both work on the site at the same time. It really doesn't matter which of the tools you're using to build it. Okay. All right. So it, it's not like when Studio takes over now, Web Matrix is out. You can continue. No, to absolutely play. not. And when you say work on it at the same fact, time, does that mean that we can work on the same files at the same time and same project? And you know, Web Matrix will say, "Hey, Joe has updated this file. Do you want to refresh it, reload it?" 
that kind of thing? Well, we, we haven't gone quite that far yet, but I mean, in terms of, of working with teams, one of the things that we're, we're releasing here with version three that's coming out is uh, source control integration. Whoa, nice. So I'm sure everybody, yeah, if everybody on the show is a big fan of Visual Studio, I'm sure you've been tied into the announcement that they're supporting Git with the latest, uh, the latest update. Absolutely. And we've kind of actually worked with a lot of those same folks to bring the same kind of Git experience into WebMatrix as well. And I really like the idea of uh, a studio guy and a web matrix guy sort of going back and forth because it does feel like they're different sets of skills too, that you'd be doing different things with studio than you would be with web matrix. Yeah, I mean, the one of the nice things is in the early days, we actually had a lot of people that would develop their sites inside of Visual Studio, things like .NET Nuke, Orchard, you know, kind of the core ASP.NET content management systems. They would edit the code in Visual Studio and then actually use WebMatrix for some of the publishing features mm-hmm. that we that we made a lot easier early on. But, you know, today a lot of those publishing features have actually made their way back into Visual Studio and the editing features inside of WebMatrix have improved as well. So you can kind of switch between them back and forth if you like, but really kind of the big thing that we focus on is simplifying the initial setup. So we make installing one of the one of the content management systems really easy and then the publishing experience. But yeah, yeah you can move back and forth between them. And I've used the platform installer a bunch of times. It's just the nicest way to add stuff to uh, I, I host some websites. So right. somebody wants a WordPress site, the platform web install is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So and so, WebMatrix is actually part of that package as well. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that I think makes WebMatrix kind of unique is the way that we actually engage with Web Platform Installer. Mm-hmm. So if you go, let's say you have a PHP site or a Node site on your machine, or you open up a WordPress site, one of the things that we'll do is we'll actually run a little detection on the files in the file system, figure out hey, this site requires PHP, it requires MySQL, it needs MySQL.NET connector or the node runtime. And then we'll actually use the WebPI uh, libraries to go out and install it in real time inside of WebMatrix. Cool. Yeah, so just a little a little bit. I, of course, because I, I flip back and forth for you being a dev and an IT guy, so I don't worry about the platform installer. That's something I live with. But uh, this makes it a little more dev-friendly to do that. Yeah, so from our side, we just don't want you to have to jump out between multiple tools. We try to do all that right inside of WebMatrix. Right so in place. you say that WebMatrix is really for people who are sort of new to web development. Is the whole idea to not overwhelm them with options? You know, I mean, Visual Studio can be kind of daunting for the beginner. Is that the idea, just to make a cleaner UI that's, uh, that has less, well, options? Sure. I mean, I think that you look at the popularity of some of the lightweight editors that have come out in recent years. I mean, Sublime Text has definitely taken off before that. I was a TextMate user. I kind of live in both worlds. And I think that there are definitely, you know, these two crowds of people. Some some people want a nice, clean experience with the editor where they're, they're not playing, you know, Window Tetris. They don't have a hundred things popping up. <laughs> um, they they want to have that. But at the same time, there are a lot of parts of the IDE that that are there because they're useful. So, I mean, we try to kind of pull the the parts that don't distract in, like IntelliSense is largely going to be the same. Uh, it's actually, in many cases, we're using the same editors as Visual Studio. Huh. Um, but really, I mean, it's just kind of taking, when you right-click, you're not going to see that big 100 list of context menu item thing pop up. The the icons are really kind of, we're using the the ribbon, so folks that are familiar with Office, yeah, it's very office-y. should feel more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the idea is that just you don't want to get overwhelmed by 100 options when you open it up, and, you know, we kind of make that a little easier. Don't scare the mortals. Right. Exactly. 
You know, uh, front page is a long time ago, but I'm old enough for that. And uh, we, it never really got replaced. It seems like Web Matrix is the simplest tool out there. Although I gotta hope you're generating better HTML than front page ever did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, kind of people loved front page. And that's kind of one of the areas that we wanted to rekindle the people that wanted to come in, didn't have to be an expert who could kind of step in and still do something productive. Um, we definitely that's a scenario we want to enable. And on the, on the HTML and on the clean design thing, I mean, I was starting to mention that all of our HTML editors and all of our editors are similar to VS. So you're not going to get all of that like old kind of uh, no font tags, no, yeah. uh, no blink tags, none of that old school stuff. Um, it's all updated with the, the latest standards. And you got, again, from an IT perspective, what I loved about FrontPage was the deployment story, that it was just so trivial to work on a page and push it up. And it's, I don't think it's ever gotten easier than it was there, although we're trying these days to make it less painful. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd say web deploy is pretty close when you use it through the tools. And this yeah. is something that made its way into Visual Studio as well. Yeah, it's just when, once you find one that actually works, you want to keep, uh, start spreading it around. So I'm glad it's in studio now. So what's new in Web Matrix land? Sure. Well, we are. We have just released Web Matrix three. It was. Uh, it's been about seven months since we came out with Web Matrix two. So a little bit of a shorter release cycle this time. Um, but the the big things that we're coming out with are full integration with Windows Azure, uh, better remote editing, and uh, and source control support. As I was mentioning earlier, remote editing. How editing files from that are on Azure. As if they were local files? Uh, yeah, kind of like that, but not just with Azure. So one of the things that you could do with Expression Web, which was another one of the, the web tools that we had, and one of the things you can do with a few of the other tools in this space, is connect directly to a web server, make a quick edit, something like a string change or a color change in your CSS, save it on the server, and then pull it back down. And so that's something that we, uh, we've actually gone through and really cleaned up that experience. So it feels like you're editing the site locally, but mm -hmm. you can actually go make all those, site, all those edits live in real time. Nice. Yeah, you have to be a little bit careful not to go, uh, not to go hurting anything, but that's why we uh, usually, for, just for quick things, it's, it's best. Yeah. Yeah, because again, I'm putting, I think, enterprise. So it's like I have a staging place for all of these things. There's a whole set of tests that need to go on, and then there's a separate deploy cycle to actually push it to production. Just because you can right. doesn't mean you should. Right? Well, in, in most cases, I know, I know personally, I, I, usually I've gone through that experience as well, where you have the staging, you go there, you test everything, you push to public. But I know that I've been in cases where it's you, you push it up, sometimes that build takes a long time, and you look at it, and it's like, oh, I misspelled a word, and I have yeah. to sit there with the shame of my spelling mistake public on the internet until yeah. I can push an entire new build. True. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's happening now is that we're getting faster and faster these cycles. It builds shouldn't don't need to take as long. There's tricks to make stuff go faster, and we're building routinely and going up and being much more careful about how we do those things. Sure, that's uh, that kind of plays into the some of the continuous integration stuff that we're doing in Azure now. Uh, so with the Git support that we're adding, one of the neat things you can kind of do now is if you're using Git to support to Windows Azure, you can use WebMatrix to do that now too. So you're using Web Matrix to modify the site, pushing that through Git, and then because there's a great Git deploy story into Azure, do you use that path or do you use the Web Matrix path to deploy? 
So you can use both. Um, it's really it's really kind of up to you. One of the things, because we added a lot of the, the PHP support and the Node support, one of the things we're finding is, you know, those communities, they've really enjoyed Git deployment. And it started, right. to, come, it started to come into the .NET community a little bit as well. Uh, you know, the default, the big publish button you click on in WebMatrix, that's always going to use WebDeploy um, because it's kind of the simplest. But if you're already using Git and you want to set it up to push into the, uh, to the site on Windows Azure, or if you want to push it to GitHub or CodePlex, and set up continuous deployment. Um, yep. That all works pretty well too, and you can do it all now from the IDE. Okay, so you, does that means you, when you hit the publish button on Web Matrix, will it just that that is always going to push through Web Deploy? That you just got to go and save to your to your repository to do the deploy the other way. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Hmm. So, what's the constraint then? Why isn't everybody just using Web Matrix, Justin? This has got to be you know, why bother with the VS approach to it? Sure. So, I mean, it's as I was kind of saying earlier in the show is that there's not a right tool or a wrong tool or a right framework or wrong framework. There's just one that kind of makes sense for your experience level and for the way that you like to work. Um, you know, personally, if I'm developing a ASP.NET website, so if I'm using the web pages framework, it kind of has this old school ASP3 kind of feel to it. Um, that's something that I want to use WebMatrix for. If it's just HTML front end, I like to use WebMatrix because it's light. But if I'm building like a big enterprise app and I want to have, you know, the full IntelliSense, I want a full ASP.NET MVC experience with all right. of the developer tooling. Um, you know, once you kind of get into that stage and you're doing a full MVC or web form site, go use Visual Studio. <laughs> You've kind of grown past WebMatrix. But now why? Point. Why exactly? Do we not have, you know, breakpoints on service endpoints? Is there something that we don't get? Sure. So, I mean, as of today, WebMatrix doesn't do debugging. Oh, um, all right. That's just kind of that's kind of one of, one of the big points that we run into. There's also just a lot of the visual tooling and a lot of the the build experience with with Visual Studio. So we don't do debugging. We actually don't do compilation because compilation. everything we're doing is website model. Uh, we're not going to do Windows services as something you know we're never we're never going to go out and build that. We're not going to build any uh, from we're not going to have full web API support. You can you can build those things from a code perspective, and if you're doing a simple website. You know, that's that's perfect for WebMatrix. That's what you should be using it right. for. Once you go off into these bigger compiled services and that sort of thing, then, you know, that's that's a job for Visual Studio. Got it. Couldn't be any more clear. So, but it does mean WebMatrix tends to be a starting ground, simple site. Once you get to a certain scale, then you start talking about, I need to move over to Studio and do bigger things. In the ASP.NET world, absolutely. Yes. Right. What about mobile? Yeah, so one of the one of the cool things that we did in WebMatrix two and uh, is added support for mobile emulators. So now, kind of right off of the run menu, if you want to see what your site looks like, uh, we make it really really easy to fire that up in iPhone, Windows Phone, iPad emulators. It's all part of the extensibility model that's built into WebMatrix two. Okay, so it, it, mean, it, it means if you haven't been building web uh, with mobile, you probably want to go the WebMatrix route. You're taking a lot of complexity out of it. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, just for checking, you know, if you're if you're building a responsive site and you want to make sure that it renders properly, you know, these these emulators really take a lot of the pain out of it. They make it easier. Uh, one of the other cool things that we just released uh, recently was support for uh, viewing your site in Browser Stack. So Browser Stack's kind of this cool online emulation service, and we sort of partnered up with those guys and made it so that you could emulate a whole bunch of different browsers, a big browser matrix uh, through their service. Cool. I, I think Browser Stack's amazing. It's such a cool, uh, cool tool. 
So, but, and at the same time, are you saying like, these are tools that'll help you web responsive web design. You've got nothing built in to make my site web responsive. It's up to me to write the code. Uh, no, that's not actually true. So uh, all the templates that we ship, they are all, uh, all of them will work on a mobile device. So when you create a site using the ASP.NET starter template, it'll actually use the same kind of header detection that ASP.NET MVC uses to let you know that it's a mobile site. And we kind of bake this all in so that based on, based on what the, what, what's coming from the client, we'll send you to a mobile version that's built on top of jQuery mobile. Nice. So yeah, yes. that it helps along the way. You have to be, I just find that as I've been working on a few responsive web design sites, you have to be careful with what tags you use, how you lay them in, what styles you apply. It's easy to mangle responsive web design. Sure. So, I mean, the templates, we kind of give an example of doing it both ways. As I was mentioning with the, with the starter site, we'll do the path where you come in and you say, okay, you know, we're going to completely go with a jQuery mobile shell. We're going to have two kind of two different divergent paths for the site. But in some of the other templates, like the bakery template, we kind of give you the the example of doing exactly what you're saying, you know, going out using the new CSS3 uh, media type stuff and and doing it so that it's all a single design. Yeah. And I, I, I am appreciating the single design. It is, there's only one web page. It works for everybody. It's just, it turns out it's not as simple as you think. Yeah, you know, I've found that, again, this is one of those, sometimes it's it's 50-50 for me. There are some apps I've worked on where it makes sense to do that. And other times where the metaphors or the things that I want to have available in a modal app, mobile app are so so dramatically different that it just doesn't make sense. So that's kind of one of the reasons that we decided to sort of focus on both of those. Yeah, that's fair. You know, the, there isn't there isn't one right way yet. I want to believe in what responsive web design all the way down the path, but I know it's it is early days. Well, Richard, guess what time it is? Ah, it must be that happy time again. No, no, it's time to recharge my Windows phone. Nice. nice. It's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Before we do that, need to tell you that this is sponsored by Telerik, makers of Kendo UI. Everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. And now Kendo UI comes with server-side wrappers for ASP.NET MVC. You'll be able to produce awesome HTML5 apps powered by Kendo UI without being forced to write JavaScript. Write that JavaScript! (laughs) Simply program on the server and the Kendo UI wrappers will handle the HTML and JavaScript. You'll have fun and your boss will be amazed. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash D-O-T-N-E-T to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 30-day trial with full support. And our winner today gets Kendo UI because it's part of the DevCraft Complete Collection. Absolutely. And today's winner is Evo Takov from Alpharetta, Georgia. Congratulations, Evo. Golf clap for you, Golf sir. Golf clap for Evo. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com and click on the big Get Free Stuff button. Join the fan club. We have thousands of members. We give away something in every show. And every December, we're going to give away $5,000. We did last year, of course. And we'd like to ask our guest, if you had $5,000 right now, Justin, to spend on technology, what would you buy? That'll buy a lot of web matrix. <laughs> web matrix is free, so you can have infinity web matrix. It's a lot of web matrix. Except if you have to pay for the bandwidth to download all those copies. <laughs> that was stupid okay what would you guess <laughs> wow you're, you're putting me on the spot now i haven't That's really the thought idea. about this you know i'm gonna go buy a whole bunch of cloud computing 
and just stand up whatever type of service, build my app however I want, and stand up a bunch of sites. I don't know what for, but I'd probably go build a bunch of websites. <laughs> Nobody ever Fine. says hire a team. Isn't that funny? No, no, no. I That's anti-developer, man. Well, you know, we... I want to build it all myself. You want to build it all yourself. Okay. So you would pay yourself then, basically take the five grand, take a vacation, pay yourself a salary so you could build what you really want to build. That's, I think you'd find that's true of a lot of people, <laughs> uh, a lot of developers. They always want to work on the thing they're not working on. All right. I'll just take the cash so I can work on what I want to work on. Yeah. That's funny. Take some time off. And you can actually get a lot of Azure cycles for five grand. Yeah. Like, it's a lot. I've been pricing it out myself or moving a bunch of my stuff over and just going, ah, you know, you get quite a bit for the money. Yeah, it's all, it's all coming down pretty quick. And obviously, Web Matrix works with Azure, but uh, maybe you could just talk a little bit more about the, the Azure story. How much has the Azure websites changed things? Sure. So, I mean, the the idea here is that Web, Web Matrix's whole goal is to try to make stuff easy, mm-hmm. uh, make it simple for people to get started. And kind of early on with Windows Azure, I wouldn't, you know, I don't know what to call it, but I wouldn't characterize it as easy. Well, the web role, app role, I think was challenging for folks. Uh, you know, it was a, a distinctive development model that didn't run anywhere else. Does Web Matrix work with web roles and app roles, or is it just with the websites? No, we're we're completely tying ourselves to Azure websites. So, okay. kind of the idea there is that you have an existing MVC site or an existing web form site. You just kind of pick that thing up. Web, you uh, use Web Deploy to publish it, and it all just kind of works. You don't have to go through and add. You don't have to set it up with web roles, worker roles, any of that stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm wondering what's ever going to happen with the whole web role thing. It was a good idea. I I appreciated the thinking of here's a, a t- approach that will sort of drag you down the pit of success. It sets very tight guidelines for making a very scalable site, but you had to think very differently, and it was tough to test it. Tough to, to be successful with it. Uh, websites, it's like, yeah, pick it up, put it down, you know what's going on. But you can also get yourself into trouble. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for, for kind of a situation where you've already built a site and you haven't really gone through a lot of deep thinking about how, you, how you're going to scale that and what you want the architecture to look like, um, you know, websites is a perfect match for that. It can scale and you can lift it up. But for that kind of initial shift of your code over to the cloud, it's a great place to get started. I mean, I think that, don't get me wrong, I think WebRoll was kind of great. If you start from the beginning and you mm-hmm. plan out your architecture in a way that you're expecting growth and you kind of break out all your components, you can build a massively, massively scalable app on top of it. But it for required sure. a lot of that upfront, upfront design, upfront effort, um, kind of, kind of starting from the beginning when you build your app. And you also see that mentality from stuff like Node, where they just sort of stripped everything away so that you it's really hard to get yourself into trouble with Node. You don't have a lot of features to tangle yourself up with. Yeah, everything everything with Node is very separated out. It's uh, almost everything they push outside of their core. It's kind of interesting. They're very dependent upon Node package management and mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing to drive most of their features. That's uh, It's interesting. Some of the templates we actually ship for Node, they're almost all completely built up of their NPM packages. There's very little to the core. Wow. Yeah. I just like the idea that you guys are building Node packages. That's kind of cool. Yeah. The uh, So get this. We we have Node support. We, uh, we have templates that ship with it. And the templates are <gasps> open source. Did you say that um, WebMatrix supports NuGet? Yes. Yes, we do. 
Fantastic. Uh, any, uh, so all the same NuGet packages you would use inside of Visual Studio. Uh, those, for the better part, they're they're going to work the same rate inside of WebMatrix. So I have a couple of sample apps out there, and you know I can hook you guys up with some links if you're interested. Where we actually go use SignalR, you can go use all the Blob Storage SDKs, Code First, Entity Framework, all that stuff works uh, pretty much the same inside of WebMatrix as you would use it inside of VS. I, I guess I have to retract my whole you only build simple stuff in web matrix. Well, then. but you can't <laughs> debug though, right? So you can write the True. code, you just can't debug it. That's the today that's kind of where we are. Right. Interesting. Well, it'd be I don't know as if I could do it. I don't know as if I could write code without being able to walk through it. Maybe I could. Yeah, I don't I've never tried. There are a lot of people in the non.net world where that's kind of how they live uh, with, uh, with like I mentioned, Sublime Text, you know, Vim, all those kinds of tools. And yeah. they, they don't constantly go to the debugger, just kind of changes the way that you think about developing. Yeah, I guess it's, w- this is our conditioning. We've been living with this edit and continue mindset where we're able to execute and tweak and execute and tweak and just keep on going, dropping into the debugger to, to, to figure out what's going on and make alterations that... You got to change the way you think if you're going to go down this well, path. Well, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I have, I have written, you know, use a text editor to write some code and try to run it. But you know, once you have a, an issue, there's just nothing like being able to set a breakpoint and and find out where that, you know, what's really going on. Otherwise, sure. you're setting, you know, you're writing out out to the output display. It is, you know, got here, got here. Yeah. <laughs> That's no way. Not to, that we've ever done that. No, who no. would do that? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, right. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the trade-offs you make when you're trying to build something that's that's really simple and isn't, you know, isn't huge and complex. Uh, that was kind of one of the parts where we decided to break off a little bit. And that's that's where WebMatrix kind of stops. And if you want to go further than that, it's a great place to go up to Visual Studio. Right. Yeah, there's got to be a point where you're just recreating Studio. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. That's that's really what we were worried about. Right. Yeah, there's got to be a line there. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago, I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's component1spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.net and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Component 1. Smarter components for smarter developers. So is there an extensibility model in WebMatrix? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we turned out in WebMatrix 2 was the ability to let people build their own extensions. It's all based on .NET. So if you have Visual Studio uh, using .NET and C Sharp, you can build your own extension to it. And we have an extension gallery. It's out at extensions.webmatrix.com. And it kind of lists that everything we have out there today. So what kinds of things are there? Um, all kinds of stuff. The the iPhone and iPad simulators we were talking about earlier, those mm-hmm. are actually extensions. The Git and TFS support, interestingly enough, is shipped as an extension. Mm-hmm. So if people want to go out and sort of build, you know, say you really you're passionate about Subversion or or CVS and you want to build CVS support in a web matrix, you could go off and do that. 
couple right. of the other things we have are uh, one of one of the extensions that I work on that I'm very that I'm very happy about is called the Orange Bits compiler. Huh. Does auto compilation and minification of less SAS, SCSS, CoffeeScript, TypeScript, all that kind of good stuff. Wow, cool. What do you call it? Orange bag? It's called the Orange Bits compiler. Orange Bits compiler. And you're yes. and you and in there you're supporting some of these these sort of macro languages for JavaScript, TypeScript, CoffeeScript. Yeah, a lot of the CSS preprocessors and JavaScript preprocessors that are coming out. So, the, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have probably heard of less CSS that kind of lets you add variables and functions into CSS. And uh, the same idea with CoffeeScript and TypeScript where you have sort of a meta language that sits on top. Um, we have editor support for that comes in the box with WebMatrix. But this extension goes out and does a lot of the, a lot of the things you kind of expect to happen automatically. Compiling it, uh, minification, you know, image optimization. A lot of things that kind of sit around those uh, web scenarios for people that are using those languages. Nice. It's just reducing the friction for all of this. Yes, absolutely. We went out, I saw uh, on the on Mac, there's a program called CodeKit that I just think is the, the coolest thing ever. And it does a lot of this stuff. So we're kind of trying to bring some of the some of the Mac, the uh, Mac awesomeness for web development and put it into WebMatrix. Nice. Very cool. We've done shows on CoffeeScript and TypeScript, but we've never really talked about less CSS. Can you dig into it with us? Sure. So I mean, the idea is that today you write CSS, you'll find that, you know, you're going to type the same color over and over again if you want to use the same thing for a border and for for text or oh, yeah. you have something you have something like a border radius where you're going to type each of the vendor prefixes every time um, that you want to assign a border radius for something that's still kind of in that mode. Yeah. And the thing that less makes really really nice is that you can kind of say, "Oh, for border radius, I have something like, you know, five different properties I want to go set." I can go wrap that up in what they call a mix-in, and it lets you do a little bit more like programming style with a CSS instead of just kind of writing it out. So sort of declare a variable up front of the color you want to use or the border radius rule you want to use, and then you just reference it. It's got to make it easier to modify, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's actually, so a lot of people are using Twitter Bootstrap right now as their CSS framework, and it's all built on top of less because it lets you do some of these things. And again, we haven't talked about Twitter Bootstrap on the show at all, which I think is probably getting to be a glaring hole for us because it's huge. I don't even know about it. What is it? Yeah, so the idea is that Bootstrap gives you kind of a simple, easy way to throw up and do common things with CSS. So you want to have a grid layout and you want to know the right way to do that. They kind of build in all the classes that will show you the right way to do a grid, the right way to make it responsive, the right way to do, you know, header layouts, footer layouts, kind of a lot of the things that I know personally I struggle with every time I have to do it with CSS. And they kind of build that into a pre-built framework, a canned framework, and you just sort of plug it into your site. Now, um, why Twitter? Why is that well, that just bootstrap? that happened to be that a couple of developers from Twitter were the ones that created it and open sourced the tool. I think they've since moved on, but okay. uh, the project, the open source project, lives under the Twitter GitHub account. I see. Yeah, it's, that's that's the only real relationship. But it does make uh, it, it bootstraps the right name for it. That it just makes it really simple to get create a good looking site with a lot of this modern styling. Yeah, I know I'm kind of a design-challenged guy. Like, I know how all the technologies work, and I can plug them together. I can write code all day. But when it comes to visual design, one of the things I like that they do is they kind of give you, like, a built-in set of visuals for buttons, uh, built-in controls, labels, things that kind of look aesthetically pleasing. It looks aesthetically good enough that I can take and, you know, put something out there relatively quick. And it looks like they have a whole marketplace for you where you can buy uh, themes and templates. 
So yeah, it, yeah it's, even it's kind more of like looks a- to it than that. I, I, I know when I see a site that's well designed, I appreciate it, but I don't necessarily know what it is they've done that has made it look that nice. It, it's confusing to me. It's a, it's kind of, I'm with you, uh, Justin, that I'm, I'm design challenged. I just, I, I know something when I see it, but I don't necessarily know how they've done it. Yeah. And that's why the last few websites that I've put together, it's funny, you're going to go visit the bootstrap page. Now you're going to look at the design and think to yourself, I know 50 websites <laughs> that look exactly like this. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Well, it was just like the old front page templates, right? They kept showing up on people's sites. Yeah, this is this is in a way the the new world there where everybody uh, there's a, there are a few other b- frameworks that do the same thing like foundation, but you're going to start to now that you've seen this, you will start to notice every other site you go to is going to have that same black header at the top, uh, a lot of the same grid layouts. Uh, you're you're going to find it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's all over, and, and this is sort of you know I remember when we were trying to advocate this idea of you need a designer, we can't build soft without a designer anymore, and it just doesn't seem to have taken off. There are a few designers. But most people are saying, just give me the template. I'll use the template. Good enough. Wow. This is some nice stuff. I'm looking at it now. Time for a .NET Rocks facelift? I'm actually looking. Yeah, really. I'm looking at, uh, there's a few websites that have bootstrap templates, right? And some of them sell them. Bombdiggitydesign.com is one. Uh, what was the other one I was looking at? Hang I've on. used Wrap Bootstrap. Yep. Themeforest.net slash bootstrap. 350 uh, templates there. Key, uh, what is that? Keynotopia.com slash bootstrap. There's some free ones there. Huh. Pretty cool, man. I think we get back to this original conversation we had where it's like, it's a good time to get into web development today because there's so much of, there's web matrix and so many of these tools that you can just drop in and go with. Yeah, it's definitely gotten a lot easier over the last couple of years. So we don't need front page back. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I am saying you do not need front page. Web Matrix is here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we talk a little bit about Razor, like the programming language, just the approach that it takes to so that, you know, guys that are not deeply into writing, working HTML or writing C sharp? What is that language really like for those who haven't seen it? Sure. So, I mean, it's kind of the, it's kind of the, in some ways, the anti, the anti web forms or MVC in that, you know, there are no classes, there are no controllers, no models. You can do some of that stuff if you want to, but kind of the way, the default way that it works is you just have a single page, you write Razor on, on that single page and it gets served up and that's about it. Um, it's, uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a homage back to the, to the old ASP days before we right. moved on to .NET. Well, which means it looks probably a lot like PHP too. I mean, yeah, in a way that if you're if you're comfortable with PHP and you're comfortable with that style of program where it's all kind of scripted out on one page, yeah, um, that's something that you can do here. I mean, you can break it out. You can, as I mentioned, like I have I have a couple of samples where I'm using code first with models and I'm using SignalR with hubs and you have different classes that are sitting inside of app code. You can right. still go down that route and write well formed code, but for the kind of simple case of you know. I want to put a website together for my band, or I want to get into some light scripting around a database. It's much, much more approachable than some of the other heavier frameworks. Just that old style inline code. Mm. The thing, you, when it got too complicated, it became write, write only code. Like you could not deal with it anymore. But when it was simple, it was really simple. Yep. It's not, that's not going to go anywhere. You think that uh, it's good for a designer to know 
the razor syntax? Do you do you find when uh, developers and designers are working together that you know if the designer can sprinkle some data in there just with razor that that's a good thing? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of the good news about Razor is that it feels a little bit more natural in line with HTML. Right. It's not something where like, you know, going back, comparing it to ASP, it's not something where you have those kind of clear delimiters where you're saying this is server-side code and here be dragons. Um, it's kind of, a, it's, it's a little bit more natural. It's sprinkled in. It's very, very easy to learn. Um, and it's kind of one of the things that that I personally like about Razor above many of the other templating languages. And it's really about if then and put this data there, right? You know, it's really not meant for a lot of flow control and a lot of logic and things, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Most of the time when you're going to have a piece of HTML, it's actually not all wrapped up or rendered out with a response.write or something like that. It's actually just in line, you'll find a span tag, and then you can go style that accordingly. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that. Like, it, that, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a very clean, simple way to look at stuff. It's just, you know, People do too much with it. You go so far down this path right. that you really needed to separate this into a view model. And, you know, there's a reason for that level of complexity. This, I got to think it when you construct with Razor, it's relatively test resistant. As soon as you get complicated at all, it's going to be really tough to, to take care of it. Sure. I mean, and, and that's kind of the one thing I'm trying to be consistent with is, you know, if you're, if you're just getting started and you're trying to go from zero to learning something about web development, if you're immediately hit over the head with, unit tests and view models and and MVC and MVP and and all these different patterns, I mean, you're going to drown pretty quick. So, I mean, the, the whole idea behind WebMatrix and largely behind the WebPages programming model is that for someone that's coming from, you know, a basic level of programming or even someone that maybe knows HTML and is just starting, just getting started with server-side programming, it's kind of a nice first step and it makes it much more approachable. Once you get to that point where you want debugging and you want you want to be able to write unit tests over top of everything and you want you know all those kind of core enterprisey type professional developer features, that's that's where we're we're saying you know go to, go to Visual Studio. It does these things. It does them awesomely. Right. That's the line. Yeah. Yes. Well, guys, I think that's about it. What uh, what's coming next after uh, Web Matrix? Do you guys are you guys going to continue on this tack or do you have uh, I mean, anything that you can talk about. Sure. I mean, I think the things you're going to see, we, we're just getting started with the source control experience. You know, with Git, we kind of have what we think is sort of the base level experience, and we want to add things to that, build it out, make it really rich. Um, I think Azure integration and being able to make things easier to interact with the cloud, that's something we think is really kind of cool. You know, right now there's so much complexity around building out cloud apps, and we think there's a there's a neat opportunity to bring that down, make it easier, make it more accessible. So those are some of the things we're thinking about right now. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Justin Beckwith, for being with us this hour. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, 
training developers to work smarter, and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.